Welcome to the Family Bible Journey. Do you want more good algorithms in your life? Did you know that when you subscribe to the podcast, when you follow us on Facebook and Instagram, when you like and love our posts and pages, the internet machine will find new ways to send good, encouraging content into your life? So please, subscribe, follow, like, and love away, that you can continue to be blessed and encouraged in your journey through the Bible. And as always, thanks for listening. This is episode 23, season 1 of the Family Bible Journey Old Testament podcast. Today we're looking at Genesis chapters 29 and 30. The title of today's podcast is The Deceiver is Deceived. Our key verses for today are chapter 29, verses 21 to 25. Then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife that I may go into her, for my time is completed. So Laban gathered together all the people of the place and made a feast. But in the evening he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob, and he went in to her. Laban gave his female servant Zilpah to his daughter Leah to be her servant. And in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And Jacob said to Laban, What is this you have done to me? Did I not serve you for Rachel? Why then have you deceived me? In our text, Jacob is now arriving in his family's homeland in Haran. And Padam Aran is what the Bible says. And he's been traveling now for months not even knowing where he was going, not knowing who he was going to meet. And when he gets close, he reaches out to the shepherds who he sees and asks if they know Laban, his uncle. And they said, yes, we do. And they point out then Laban's daughter, Rachel, who we're told is a shepherdess, bringing Laban's sheep out. And when Jacob sees Rachel, he is overcome. It begins in verse 10 saying, Now as soon as Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, And the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, Jacob came near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Here we see that Jacob surely is his mother's son. If you remember back when Abraham's servant came and met Rebekah, she was the one who was watering all of the animals. She took care of the man's camels, watered all 10 of them. We remember the huge quantities of water and how It could very well have been a ton, literal ton or more of water that she was pouring for them. Here Jacob does the very same thing for Rachel. And as he finishes, we're told in verse 11 that Jacob kissed Rachel and wept aloud. And then Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's kinsman and that he was Rebekah's son. And she ran and told her father. And so we see this wonderful, joyous family reunion, the types of which it's really, really hard for us to imagine in our modern context. We are so blessed with so many ways to stay connected to the people that we love. We have Facebook and Instagram, uh, Snapchat. We have video calling and FaceTime and cell phones. And it, it is hard to go anywhere where you don't have an immediate means of access, be it through a computer or through a cell phone or through some other device that you can immediately connect with anyone that you know and love. Because of that reality, it is so hard for us to fathom how momentous this occasion would have been for Laban and his family. If you remember the story from when Rebecca left, the servant came and it was the very next day that the servant took her back to Abraham to be Isaac's wife. They didn't even have time to give her a proper goodbye. She went in faith and now they see her son who for sure bore some physical resemblance to her and And their hearts must have just exploded with joy to hear of how wonderful Isaac and Rebecca were doing and to see this living proof 
of the prosperity of their own sister and aunt and this long lost relative. And Jacob, we know, immediately falls in love with Rachel. We are told in the passage that Rachel was easy on the eyes, that she was beautiful in form and appearance. Her elder sister Leah, she had other laudable attributes, but she wasn't the most physically attractive woman in Laban's family. And so Laban asks Jacob what he can give him in exchange for his service. Jacob takes over the shepherding and the management of the flock, and he said, I will serve you for seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel, to which Laban immediately agrees. And so Jacob serves Laban for the seven years. They throw a wedding feast. He is He's excited. The time has, has flown by as he's looking forward to the day that Rachel is going to become his wife. And then a twist in the story where the deceiver is deceived. The text says, beginning in verse 22, that when it came time for the wedding, that Laban gathered together all the people of the place and made a feast. But in the evening, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob, and he went in to her. Another one of those situations in the text, we're wondering, okay, Jacob, exactly how much did you have to drink on your wedding night that you didn't know which woman it was that you were getting into bed with on your own wedding? And yet he sleeps with Leah and he wakes up and much to his surprise and much to his chagrin, the wrong daughter is in bed with him. He has married the wrong woman. At least in his mind, it's the wrong woman. And he lets Laban know on no uncertain terms that he is not satisfied with this. Laban has his own reason. He cites the customs of the land, the laws of the land that the elder must be given in marriage before the younger. And so Laban has his excuses for deceiving Jacob. He undoubtedly knew this was not the deal that they had made. And yet he says, okay, fine, serve me another seven years and I'll give you my younger daughter, Rachel, as well. So Jacob completes the bridal week, the honeymoon with Leah, immediately marries Rachel, celebrates a honeymoon with her. He receives both of their female servants also in these marriages, in this arrangement. And so the family of Jacob has multiplied tremendously. And by the end of the story, even though it is far less than God's ideal for marriage that one man would be married to two women, especially two sisters, have two other servants in the mix who are going to end up being concubines of Jacob, so that Jacob is going to end up fathering children by all four women, that is nonetheless what happens. And by the time Jacob is fed up with Laban and ready to leave his presence, we see that 11 of Jacob's children had been born to him. After Rachel gives birth to child number 11, Joseph, Jacob is ready to move on with his life, go back home and be done with Laban. But Laban doesn't want him to leave. Laban recognizes that Jacob is the reason why his flock has prospered. Jacob is really, really, really good at this whole shepherding business. And he doesn't want him to leave. So they make a deal where Jacob gets to take all of the spotted and black lambs from the flock and Laban gets to keep all of the clean pure lambs of the flock and I love how in verse 33 as they're making this deal that Jacob says so my honesty will answer for me later when you come to look into my wages with you everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and black among the lambs if found with me shall be counted stolen I love it how the deceiver says trust me 
Anytime someone says, trust me, the answer is no, don't trust them. Instead of taking them at the word, better yet, let them show you or demonstrate to you how and why it is that you should trust them. There are too many people out there and it is because of the deceitfulness of humanity that we cannot trust people. We are supposed to get along with everybody. We are supposed to respect everybody, but do not trust everybody because most people are not worthy of being trusted, especially the person who says, trust me. And the rest of the chapter then goes on to describe how he took these sticks and put them in the watering trough so that the animals, when they were breeding, would see these sticks. I don't want to give Jacob credit for being deceitful in this way and ingenious in this way. I don't think the flock produced the stripe, the spot of the darker lambs because of what Jacob was doing by putting these sticks in the trough. It was purely the Lord's work and the Lord's blessing. Sure, Jacob may have thought that this was the reason why it was happening that way, but modern genetics tells us this isn't how it works. And so this being recorded in here and left for us in the pages of Holy Scripture, I think is just a one reminder that oftentimes we think that it is our wisdom, that it's our ingenuity, that it's our inventiveness that gets us what we have, when really it is the Lord's blessing. I know some really, 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 really intelligent human beings who just can't seem to get ahead in life. And I know other people who are completely unscrupulous and do not deserve any good thing from God, but they seem to have the golden touch. And so we don't want to take credit for what God does for us and how he blesses us as Jacob does in this passage. But regardless of the reason why, his flock continues to grow and multiply and expand while he's taking care of Laban's. And it seems to be fine, but God has laid his hand of blessing on Jacob so that Jacob's possessions far surpass those of his father-in-law. And so as he now prepares to leave Laban, he is fleeing in faith. Now on this idea of fleeing in faith, I think this is a great time to make another one of those observations that we see in the text. You know, there are times when we find ourselves in difficult or dangerous situations. And when that happens, sometimes you just have to leave. I've been in situations in my own life where it was a lose-lose proposition. Sometimes people will plot against you. Sometimes you're set up for failure. Sometimes there is nothing you can do to make a situation work or to make it right. And so you just have to excise yourself from the situation. You need to get out of there. But if you find yourself in a position in life where you need to flee, I want to encourage you to flee in faith. The person who flees in fear is running away just to get away from the situation that they're in. And oftentimes you'll see this happening with people who have a tendency of getting themselves into bad relationships and getting themselves into relationships with people who aren't healthy. That oftentimes they run from one bad relationship into another, into another, into another, because they're not running towards something. They're just trying to get away from, flee from that thing that they're, they're leaving or that person they're getting away from. That is fleeing in fear. I want to encourage us instead to flee in faith. Someone who flees in faith may recognize the difficulty of their situation, but looking out, they're looking for something and they find something that's worth moving towards. So you're not moving away from that which is bad. You're moving towards something that's better, towards something that is good. That is fleeing in faith. 
And so as you find yourself like Jacob sometimes, maybe caught in a difficult spot, maybe having to make a significant life change, I want to encourage you to flee in faith and not flee in fear. It is on that note that we are going to conclude today's episode with our blessing. For all of you paper people listening, and I expect there are a few of you out there, especially since we are journaling our way through the Bible, if you would like to snail mail a letter or send a contribution, you can find our contact info, including our mailing address, at familybiblejourney.com. When you need to flee a difficult or dangerous situation, may God grant you wisdom to know what you're fleeing to in faith, instead of making your decision to flee in fear. Amen.